The talk you are about to hear is by Zen teacher Sensei Amala Reitzen. <clears throat> Today is the, the 20th of August 2019. 20th August just happens to be um, Roshi Philip Kaplow's birthday. And um, we're going to, over the next two Taishos, um, uh, take up a story um, from The Hidden Lamp. Um, it's called uh, Dogen Sets the Record Straight. Um, <clears throat> the full title of The Hidden Lamp, uh, this great, great compendium of stories about women in Zen and in Buddhism. As the, t the full title is The Hidden Lamp, Stories from 25 Centuries of Awakened Women and it's by Florence Kaplow and Susan Moon. Um, really um, picked this one today just because it was a chance to talk more about Master Dogen. We had um, been looking at the uh, Mountains and Rivers Sutra on, on Sunday, and um, uh, this is a uh, uh, Sansuikyo in, in Japanese, a fascicle of the Shobogenzo, his great work. One of his great works, and um, during that that Dharma study session, somebody commented that we don't know much about Dogen, and I was surprised because um, over the years we've quite often um, dipped into his teachings, but um, it could be quite a few years since we last um, uh, took up any of Dogen's teachings, so it felt like it would be a good time to. Um, return to him and explore further. Um, so we'll just read the, the, um, the case here, um, but then um, we'll spend most of our time um, looking at Dogen's life and, and the sort of background to his teaching and then take up the case in the next um, uh, show two weeks from now. <clears throat> so just to, to sort of set the scene for, for this, um, this is a story entitled Dogen Sets the Record Straight and it's also from uh, an extract from one of the fascicles of the Shobogenzo um, Treasury of the True Dharma Eye it's um, <clears throat> known as Rai Hai Tokuzui it means something like um, um, talks about uh, making a, a basance, doing prostrations this is just a, sh a small part of it. Getting the marrow by doing obeisance is a translation of Raihai Toksui. Master Ahei Dogen said to his monks, there are foolish monks who make a vow never to look at a woman. Is this vow based on the teachings of the Buddhas or on the teachings of the non-Buddhists or on the teachings of Mara? Mara is the um, Buddhist equivalent of the devil, deceiver. What are the inherent faults of women and what are the inherent virtues of men? There are unwholesome men and there are unwholesome women. Hoping to hear the Dharma and leave the household does not depend on being male or female. Before becoming free from delusion, Men and women are equally not free from delusion. At the time of being free from delusion and realizing the truth, there is no difference between men and women. 
If you vow never to look at a woman, woman, must you then abandon women when you chant, beings are numberless, I vow to save them? That's, the, that's the, another translation of the, f the first of our four noble, um, our four bodhisattvic vows. All beings without number, I vow to liberate. If you do so, you are not a bodhisattva. How can you call it the Buddha's compassion? So that's, that's the, the story we're going to be looking at. But before we get, get into that, um, just a bit more about Master Dogen's life and a little bit about the time he came from. And for this I'm going to be reading from and commenting on passages from a book called Zen Master Dogen by Yu Ho Yokoi with Daizen Victoria. And this Daizen Victoria is um, actually a New Zealander, Brian Victoria, who at this time when, when this book came out was a Soto monk in Japan, but later left the order and and wrote a couple of important books about um, Zen and war, about the involvement of various Zen um, teachers in the Second World War. So we touched on some of this, um, but we'll go into yesterday on Sunday, but we'll go into it in a bit, in a bit more detail. So Dogen was born in Kyoto in, in 1200, and it was a time of, of, of change. Um, Dogen was actually part of the aristocratic class that was still in power there in, in Kyoto and had been for, um, it had been, Kyoto had been Japan's imperial capital for 400 years at that point, but it was, at this time that a new feudal government arose in Kamakura um, outside Edo, which was to become later become called Tokyo. And so the, the sort of the influence in the in the culture was shifting from the this aristocratic class, this imperial class, who were um, urban and sophisticated and you could even say somewhat effete. Um, and the, the balance of power was shifting to the samurai class who um, very often came from um, uh, rural centers and um, had, a had a greater kind of, um, you could say, uh, simplicity and, and even um, earthiness to them. Um, Buddhism had been developing in Japan at this point for 600 years and at this time it was dominated by um, two schools uh, interlinked, um, the, the Tendai school which, which is the, taught the main teachings of the Mahayana, the, sutra, the sutras, and then there was also the Shingon school which um, was more akin to Vajrayana um, Buddhism, so it was esoteric, um, um, tantric Buddhism. 
And um, these were, they had been in power a long time and they had gathered a lot of wealth and become corrupted by that. Um, among the other practices were selling magic prayers, ceremonies to um, the aristocracy or whoever would pay. And um, the, the temples became very rich and actually had at this point armed guards um, who, these, these were monks who were, who were armed um, and um, sometimes engaged in, in warfare skirmishes with rival um, groups of monks. Um, it's interesting that this, the, this corruption or this selling of prayers and so forth is a little bit like what was happening in, in Europe with the medieval church where um, uh, indulgences were sold to people and the church gathered a great deal of, of um, power and wealth to, into itself. And um, so we mentioned on Sunday that, that um, contemporary with Master Dogen is St. Francis. And, and like um, Dogen, he was, St. Francis uh, was revitalized um, Christianity um, by offering a, a much more um, down-to-earth and stripped away teaching of, the, of um, uh, Christianity. Many people saw this period as one of decline with this corruption that was in Buddhism and it was often referred to as Mapo, the time of Mapo, which is meant the Dharma ending age. And, and one of the reactions to this decline was, was new movements coming up within Japan. And there were three, the, the Jodo or the Pure Land and um, Nichiren. And um, then the third, the third of these was uh, Zen itself. And um, Jodo and Nichiren were, were, were different, but they both um, they both involved um, uh, a rejection of hierarchy and and characterized not by ceremony and mystery like like Shingon and Tendai, but would um, say simple piety and 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 simple uh, spiritual exercises that anybody could um, take and uh, take up. And um, the writers of this book say. Dogma gave way to personal experience. Ritual and sacerdotalism, meaning, meaning power of the priests, um, gave way to piety and intuition. Moreover, these new sects exerted their influence across class bounds, exhibiting a growing concern for the common people. And this, the, this last part also um, um, refers to Zen. This, there was a new... Um, uh, there, was a, there was a real sense of uh, the teaching uh, of anybody could uh, awaken. You didn't have to be of a particular class. Um, and, and Dogen even teaching that in this extract that we're going to look at, 
that um, women could awaken, which was um, pretty much unheard of at the time. taking up this narrative here about his life. So, uh, as I already mentioned, he, he was born in 1200 and um, in a highly aristocratic fa family. His father uh, was probably, some, there's some sort of argument about it, but was probably uh, Kuga Michichika, who was a very high-ranking government minister. And um, Dogen was, even as a very small child, was, was um, displayed his kind of brilliance. As a, um, and he's said to be reading chi Chinese poetry at the age of four and um, a treatise, a translation of a treatise on the Abhidharma by the age of nine. The Abhidharma is, is like vol vo voluminous collection of commentaries on the Buddhist teachings. It's one of the three uh, baskets of the Tripitaka. So he was um, extremely precocious. But along with this, this, um, his, this brightness, he um, lost uh, both his father and his mother at, at an early age. He was only two when his father died and, and seven when his mother died. And he was um, deeply marked by the, these events um, and said that at his mother's funeral he, he was um, moved by the sight of the smoke rising, the, the smoke of the incense uh, rising um, uh, from, the, from the, where the coffin was. And the sight, and at this sight, he, he um, vowed to um, enter the monkhood and seek, and seek the Dharma in order to answer the questions that had arisen in him about, about um, the meaning of life and death. And we can see in this, in this his being prompted by seeing the, the smoke, that, that he had a deeply sensitive um, poetic uh, sensibility. He was later to write about um, about becoming a monk. Life is as transient as a dewdrop, and so, having been fortunate enough to be born as a human being, we should not waste our lives. If we lead the life of a monk in our successive existences, much merit will be accumulated. When death suddenly comes, neither the king nor his ministers, relatives, servants, wife or children, or rare jewels can save us. We are obliged to enter the realm of the dead alone, unaccompanied only, accompanied only by our good and bad karma. How desperately we cling to our body at death's door. Therefore, while we still retain our human body, we should quickly enter the monkhood. This is indeed the true teaching of the various Buddhas 
in the three stages of time, meaning past, present, and future. Um, and what what he means by becoming a monk is by is is to really take up the practice in a wholehearted way. Um, as he also recognised that that um, as I mentioned about that lay people and uh, whether male or female, people in any state stay any um, station in life could um, take up the Dharma. And elsewhere he says that it's the intensity of one's desire to awaken that is what really counts. When he was 13, he um, took the initial um, ordination on Mount Hiei, which was the the center of learning for Tendai Buddhism in, in Japan at that time it was was not a single uh, monastery, but a whole a whole mountain complex of uh, many different uh, tem temples and monasteries. So he studied under the guidance of a master, um, Abbot Cohen. But quite soon after, when he was just um, a year older, at 14, um, he became troubled by, by um, this, this question or deep, deep doubting of um, an aspect of the Buddhist teacher, teaching. And um, this is how he formulated it. If, as the sutras say, all beings are endowed with the Buddha nature, why is it that one must train oneself so strenuously to realize the Buddha nature, that is, to attain enlightenment? And I'm sure many of us, when, I, when we're sitting and our knees are hurting and we're feeling really stuck, we may very well ask the same question. Why is it so difficult if we're, if we're intrinsically enlightened in the first place? And, and Dogen hoped that his, his teacher would be able to really just wipe away this doubt for him. But um, he wasn't able to give him a satisfactory answer. And at this, Dogen was very deeply disappointed. And he decided to leave Mount Ye and go in search of someone who could set his mind at rest. Uh, one of the people he went to visit, among quite a few, was um, another abbot called Abbot Koen. Um, he was the chief monk at Midera Monastery, um, which um, still exists, I think, in, in Shiga Prefecture. And um, he also was not able to give Dogen a clear answer. And and suggested that he go and see a size Zenji, um, who was then at that point in Kyoto um, at a temple called Kenenji. And um, Asai was the the um, originator of um, Rinzai Zen in in Japan, and so the. The story goes that following the abbot's advice, Dogen journeyed to Kenenji, and when he asked Asai the same question, 
The Zen master replied, all the Buddhas in the three stages of time are unaware that they are endowed with the Buddha nature, but cats and oxen are well aware of it indeed. <laughs> so was this a satisfactory answer to Dogen's question? Uh, in one way it was an extremely satisfactory answer but we can be sure that it just deepened um, his questioning but it is said that that on on hearing this reply Dogen did experience an inner realization that that partially dissolved his doubt and gave him a lot of, of um, uh, faith in Asai's having an understanding of Buddhism that he hadn't come across before. Um, just going back to this, um, this statement of Asai's, um, all the Buddhas in the three stages of time are, are unaware that they are endowed with the Buddha nature, but cats and oxen are quite well aware of it indeed. Sometimes this is translated as cats and cows, which is um, got more got more euphony to think of it and it makes makes me think of that yoga exercise the cat cow so what's what's he saying here um, the 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 writers of this text say um, in other words the buddhas precisely because they are buddhas themselves no longer think of having or not having the buddha nature only the animal like that is the deluded think in such terms. And this this brings to the fore a theme that has kind of come through in Zen, in Master Dogen's teachings again and again. This this notion of of our forgetting ourselves of of not not um, holding to a sense of self. And um, you know, the, one of the ways we can, we can, in very succinct terms, characterize what what makes us suffer, it's our our self preoccupation, our 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 um, um, self partiality, where where our, our world narrows down to to our. our our, our worries and our concerns about ourself. So the forgetting of the self was to be to become a theme for for in Master Dogen's teaching. So anyhow, from from this experience, um, Dogen. Um, decided to stick around at Kenenji um, and, and study the teachings of, of Rinzai Zen under ASI's guidance. But uh, unfortunately, very soon after this, ASI also died. So this was the, the, Master Dogen's third loss in, in his life, major loss. Um, in one of his writings, um, 
um, a collection of his sayings actually called the Shobogenzo Suimonki, which was collected by one of his students. He he talks about his his meeting uh, Asai and he compares him to the other masters that he had met, and he says that these other masters had um, that he had seen had all just advised him to study hard until he became really learned. And he says, I was told to make myself known to the state and gain fame in the world. Um, what what a, um, a limited kind of piece of advice. And misguided. Um, we've talked before about the fame being one of the the eight worldly winds, unreliable and and also um, kind of inherently uns unsettling to be concerned about one's faith and one's fame in the world. Um, so after Asai died, um, <coughs> Dogen continued to to study under one of his disciples. He, he transmitted to seven disciples and um, one of these was Myozen, whose dates are 1184 to 1225. And so Dogen continued his study of Zen with Myozen for nine more years. And this, this is what Dogen says about Myozen. Ever since I awakened to the Bodhi-mind and sought the supreme truth, I made many visits to Buddhist masters throughout the country. It was thus that I happened to meet the venerable Myozen at Keninji. Nine years quickly passed as I studied the way under him. During that period, I had the opportunity to learn from him to some extent the training methods of the Rinzai Zen school. To the venerable Myozen, leading disciple of my late master Aesai, was rightly transmitted the highest supreme law, and he was unparalleled among his fellow disciples in learning and virtue. And in this little um, collection of his sayings, the Shobogenzo Zuimonki, he tells a story about Myozen, which um, made a big impression on me when I first read it. Uh, Myozen um, got criticized by his fellow monks uh, because of his determination to leave um, his dying teacher, and this was, this was Myoyu, so his original master, that would be his precepts master, so probably who the person he started to train under. Um, so he's going to leave the dying Myoyu his original master, to go to China to continue his training in spite of the latter's request that Myozen remain by his side. In answer to their criticism, Myozen is quoted as saying, You have all advised me to stay, but I cannot agree. Even if I stay here in Japan now, I cannot protect him, that is Myoyu, from death if he is to die. Even if I stay here and nurse him, I cannot relieve him of his pain. Even though I treat his body with due ceremony at death, 
I cannot detach him from the transmigration of birth and death. To stay here is merely to obey his orders. It may be of great solace to him, but it is all useless in realizing enlightenment. If he should mistakenly hinder my desire for earnest desire for the supreme truth, he will, will have committed a sin. A sin. Um, it, it just the, he, reading the story, it seemed it seemed quite um, harsh to me when I first read it. Um, but at the same time, um, I could relate to it because I was at the time when I first read this. Um, very far away from from family in New Zealand, um, eighteen thousand miles away, and um, I, f I felt some of the sense of urgency that um, Miozan's words um, uh, express, his his yearning for realization and his um, sense of, um, of urgency, and in fact Miozen, um accompanied Dogen to. Um, to China and died there. Um, but have to be careful because it's it's there are also examples of of the opposite. Um, Nakagawa Soen Roshi, who was uh, Roshi Kaplow's first teacher in Japan, um, took care of his mother in her old age. There was a little um, house. Um, at his at his monastery, and she lived there and until she died. And Shoto Harada Roshi, who we read from in the last session, um, took care of one of his teachers, and I'm not don't remember now whether it was his tea master or his calligraphy teacher, but um, he looked took care of him um, until he died in his in his nineties. So this is um, not an absolute. There could be could be very well be times when the choice would have been the opposite, but um, one can imagine that Miozen's um, um, teacher Miyoyu was probably um, in a big monastery with plenty of other monks there who who were um, ready and available to uh, look after him, even if. Emotionally, he wanted to have his disciple Myozen there with him. So anyway, Dogen and Myozen went off to China and in, in 1223. And um, uh, it, was, it was at that time, um, of course, a... Uh, uh, hazardous journey across across the, the ocean and they came into a, a port um, of Mingzhou and um, Dogen stayed on the ship for a while to kind of um, suss out what to do next And he records an interesting meeting that he had with an elderly monk in the t in, um, on board the ship. And they met this monk um, who came one day to buy uh, from some Japanese dried mushrooms that were uh, being sold uh, off the boat. 
Here's what Dogen writes. And this he writes in, a, in another one of the uh, fascicles of the, um, I think it's in the Shobagenzo, the Tenzok Yokan instructions for the, kit, the head cook, which I really uh, recommend as a, um, uh, as a uh, good sample of, of Master Dogen's teachings. So he tells the story of meeting this monk. I said to him, when did you leave Ayuan Shan Monastery? After lunch. How far is it from here? About 35 li, and I think this is about, um, about 20 kilometers. So he'd walked 20 kilometers to, to, the, to the port. When are you going back? As soon as I've purchased some mushrooms, then Dogen replied, I'm very glad to have this unexpected chance to meet and chat with you for a while here on board ship. Please allow me to serve you, Zen Master Tenzo. Tenzo replied, I'm sorry, but without my supervision, tomorrow's meals will not go well. In such a large monastery as Ayuan Shan, there must be enough other cooking monks to prepare the meals. They can surely get along with a single Tenzo, without a single Tenzo monk. Old as I am, I hold the office of Tenzo. This is my training during my old age. How can I leave this duty to others? Moreover, I didn't keep, get permission to stay out overnight when I left. So he was going to walk back 20 kilometers to his monastery, having bought these mushrooms. And then Dogen replies, Venerable Sir, why don't you do Zazen or study the koan of ancient masters? What is the use of working so hard as a Tenzo monk? On hearing my remarks, he broke into laughter and said, Good foreigner, you seem to be ignorant of the true training and meaning of Buddhism. In a moment, ashamed and surprised at his remark, I said to him, What are they? If you understand the true meaning of your question, you will have already realized the true meaning of Buddhism, he answered. At that time, how I, however, I was unable to understand what he meant. So, um, in good Zen spirit, this, this Tenzo monk doesn't ask, answer um, Dogen's question, but, but bats the ball back into his court and invites him to find out for himself what the true meaning of Buddhism is. And um, the writers add, the preceding episode clearly shows that at that time Dogen was still unable to understand the essence of Zen. He had not yet realized that Zen is and must be expressed through our daily actions, be they cooking, cleaning, or whatever. And this also would, would later um, become a theme in Dogen's teaching, this emphasis on um, every action we take, every, um, uh, everything becoming a way to, to um, uh, experience the Buddha Dharma and express it.
Um, an interesting little kind of um, side point here. Um, there's a biography of, by, of Dogen by um, another monk, and it relates that when Dogen um, went to Chinese temples, he would be assigned a low rank because he was not Chinese. And uh, this practice of, of, of being ranked apparently was still um, happening in uh, Chinese temples in the 20th century, that everybody who entered would be, would be um, put in, in a certain position in the zendo, at the meals and so forth, according to how long they had been a monk. But um, this biographer relates that um, this Dogen protested against this discrimination, uh, which was just because of um, uh, that he was because he was a foreigner, um, saying that the the monks should all be ranked by the length of time that had elapsed since their entrance into the monkhood. That's the traditional um, system, regardless of their nationality. And it says, at first, however, his protests went unheard. It is said that it was not until he made a final appeal to the emperor that his rank was determined on the same basis as that of the Chinese monks. But what is interesting about that is you would think that he might just think, oh, you know, it's, 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 I just won't, I'll just put up with it and um, keep my head down. But um, rather, he, he, sought his rightful praise. He was, he was clearly um, not just, uh, you could say, a doormat, but, but stood up for his, his, um, his uh, rights within the system. But in spite of this experience, he um, uh, benefited from his training by this stage, he was at um, a monastery called Tian Tong, which is still there and still active um, outside of Ningbo um, in South China. And there's another. He had another experience um, of a of a uh, Tianzhou monk, a head cook monk, there at, at Tian Tong. The importance of the office of Tenzo finally struck home to him as a result of an incident there which is also recorded in the Tenzo Kyokun. It happened one day when Dogen was going to the abbot's living quarters located along the eastern corridor of the monastery. On the way he came across an old bareheaded Tenzo monk with a bamboo stick in his hand earnestly drying some mushrooms in front of the Buddha hall. The sun's rays beat down upon him, causing him to perspire profusely. And this is a very hot part of, part of China. It's known as the, um, the, the furnace of China. <coughs> so the hot sun was uh, beating down on him. Still, he continued to move here and there, drying the mushrooms, turning them. Moved by this sight, Dogen drew near him and asked, what is your Buddhist age? And that means what is your, not what is your age and years, but um, your age since you became a monk, number of years as a monk. 68, the Tenzo monk answered. 
Why don't you make the other cooking monks do, under your supervision, do this? They are not me. You are really one with Buddhism, but I wonder why you work so hard in the burning sun. When else can I do it but now? Dogen said nothing. As he continued to walk along the corridor, he thought to himself how important the office of Tenzo was. He also um, witnessed um, a monk under, undergo, taking a little ritual in the zendo of putting his folded um, uh, top robe, his um, kesa, on his head in the morning to do the, the verse of the kesa like we do um, still in the mornings. And um, he was deeply moved by this. It had not been taught it in Japan. And he says, at the time I was filled with the deepest emotion and joy that I had ever experienced. Unknowingly, I shed so many tears of gratitude that my collar became wet. Why? Though I had opened the sutras before and read of the verse containing the concerning the placing of the kesa on one's head, I did not know the details of the manner in which it was to be done. Seeing it at that time before my very eyes filled me with great joy. So he, he um, there, were, there were parts of the practice and the teaching and, and, and um, here a, a devotional piece of the picture that um, had not made their way to Japan. And um, he, at this point he, he was filled with gratitude for um, being able to come to China, having left, being able to leave Japan and come to China to um, directly receive the teaching, not in words but in actions. He says, filled with these mixed feelings of happiness and sorrow, I cried copiously. Then I vowed to myself, with compassion for my fellow countrymen, I will, unworthy though I am, become an heir to Buddhism, a right receiver of the true way, and teach them the law that was correctly transmitted by the Buddhas and patriarchs, together with the, the kesa, the robe. So I, um, I think this little story can get a sense of, 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 um, of Dogen's um, his emotional commitment to the practice and to the, to the teaching. And to, and his aspiration here still, he's still searching, but but the aspiration behind his search is this is this um, wanting to to share the the, um, the 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 teaching with uh, his his uh, fellow countrymen. In spite of the deeper understanding of Zen that Dogen realized during his training at, at Tiantung, he still felt spiritually incomplete. Hence he decided to leave that monastery in search of a master under whose guidance he might realize total liberation. 
For the next several months he visited numerous monasteries, but to no avail. Just as he was about to give up his search and return to Japan, he happened to hear that the former abbot of Tiantung had died and that his success successor, Ru Jing, was said to be one of the China's finest Zen masters. On returning to that monastery, Dogen found that Ru Jing was indeed a Zen master in whom he could place his full confidence. Um, various, in various works, he, he, he um, sings his, his ma late master's praises. His, receive, his refusing to um, um, take a purple robe from the from the the emperor, even though it was offered to him, so definitely not concerned with fame and recognition. Um, with respect to Ru Jing's severe training, Dogen um, writes. My late master used to say, ever since I was 19 years old, I made numerous visits to monasteries in search of Buddhism, but without finding a true teacher. During this period, not a day or a night passed without my doing zazen seated on a meditation cushion. Even before I became head monk of this temple, I did not talk with those in my home village for, here, for fear that I would waste a single moment. I always lived in the meditation hall of the temple in which I resided, never entering anyone else's hermitage or dormitory, not to mention going on pleasure trips to mountains, lakes and so on. Not only did I practice Zazen at the appointed times in the meditation hall, but wherever and whenever it was possible to practice it, I did so. He, this, this um, Rujing would, would um, go from place to hate place with a meditation cushion concealed in the sleeve of his robe. Must have been big sleeves. It was my intention to sit so hard as to make this cushion fall into tatters. This was my only wish. As a result, my buttocks sometimes became inflamed, causing hemorrhoids, but I liked Zazen so much the better. So finally, you could say that um, Dogen had met um, somebody who was his equal in, in zeal um, and, and offered him an example of, of the kind of intensity that um, was required, is required. And then um, we'll just finish up with the last with this uh, account of Master Dogen's awakening, final awakening under um, Rujing. Early one morning, as he was making his usual round of inspection at the beginning of the formal Zazen period, Ru Jing discovered one of the monks dozing. Scolding the monk, he said, The practice of Zazen is the dropping away of body and mind. What do you expect to accomplish by dozing? On, upon hearing these words, Dogen suddenly realized enlightenment, his mind's eye opening fully. According to Ru Jing's 
Going to Ru Jing's room to have his enlightenment confirmed as genuine, Dogen burned some incense and prostrated himself before his master. This was the traditional way of, of, of kicking off this encounter. What do you mean by this? Ru Jing asked. So he's, he's testing the water. I've experienced the dropping away of body and mind, Dogen replied. Ru Jing, realizing that Dogen's enlightenment was genuine, then said, you have indeed dropped body and mind. Dogen, however, remonstrated. I have only just realized enlightenment. Don't sanction me so easily. I'm not sanctioning you easily. Dogen, still unsatisfied, persisted. What is the basis for your saying that you haven't sanctioned me easily? Ru Jing replied, body and mind dropped away. Hearing this, Dogen prostrated himself before his master in deep respect and gratitude, showing that he had indeed transcended his discriminating mind. Well, we'll stop there and, and continue with this next time. without number I vow to liberate endless blind passions I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha I vow to attain all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha I vow to attain. The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org dot org dot nz